0: As to our next speaker, Dr. Aviva Weisbord is a licensed psychologist who was in private practice for over 20 years. She was educated at American University at Georgetown University and her specialty is family and marriage therapy. And her focus is helping the entire family deal more effectively with life issues. Before joining Shemesh as executive director, Dr. Weisbord served as executive director of the Jewish Big Brother Big Sister League and Jewish Addiction Services. She regularly contributes to a variety of periodicals and lectures frequently on the Jewish family and community and the particular issues they face. Dr. Weisford. That never happened, and I'm a lot shorter. Sorry. Good morning. It's still morning, right? Good morning, everybody. I also would like to add that Mrs. Gross uh, pioneered this whole concept of limo de Hall and getting degrees. She worked out a whole system of summer courses for girls still in high school. And I remember my Zedizatzal used to say, people come to Baltimore and they think... It was always like this. There were always hundreds of people learning and hundreds of people in the Kolel and kosher stores and it wasn't people come to my alone and think it was always like this in Baltimore that we always had access to both Limudah Kodesh and Limudah Chol for credit and it wasn't and Mrs. Judy Gross is really a pioneer in doing that for us Um, she was here she was here yeah, I know Judy's here, right? I, I also wanted to uh, acknowledge the presence of Mrs. Mindy Spetner, who's one of the founders. Okay, one of the founders of Malot and one of the mainstays of Marluth till today. So that's 20 years worth of ongoing work. So wonderful to have you here. And I want to welcome all of you, because um, after 20 years, sometimes there were years we weren't sure we'd be here, and here we are, and here you are, and it's really very special to be here and share this day with you. I heard that and Finkel spoke, I think it was this year, to a large room of seminary students in Eretz Yisrael, and here's what she said. Well, I see a room full of future OTs and architects and PAs doctors, nurses anything educators I just have one question for you ladies who will take care of your children and I think they were a little taken aback because we don't think about I mean we think about marriage and children but it's out there somewhere um and she was forcing the young ladies to really look at the issue. So you're at the stage where you are making life decisions, decisions that will have an impact, not just on tomorrow or next year, but possibly on the rest of your life. And you're at a stage where a lot of those decisions that you make will have an impact on clients Israel. Like it or not, you're our future. And it'll be your job to do a better job than we did, maybe, and present the next generation to build the next stage of Klai Israel's future. So the least we can do is spend some time looking at how you'll arrive at those decisions, how you'll shape your future and the future of Klai Israel. How do you define yourselves, and how do you answer the question, what is my life's mission? And the truth of the matter is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu already told us our life's mission, and that we each have to find a way of fulfilling that mission for ourselves. There are no two people, although all women have a general life mission, there are no two of us that fulfill that mission the same way, the same style, and even, in some cases, with the same goals. Each of us ends up unique. And that sounds a little funny today because we are so programmed. High school, seminary, particular seminary. Um, if you're smart enough, you do a second year seminary where you can really build your ruchnius and your knowledge and go for your degree, probably only a mile out, And then it's all, it's all mapped out. You know, marriage, family, job. Please note that I say job and not career, job and it's all figured out and we all have to do it the same and unfortunately many times we all do without thinking about it we just go into that next step unless Hashem throws us a curveball and it doesn't fit exactly the schedule that we told him we want so he he told us what our tachwis uh, is what, the minute he formed chava from Adam's rib what's the purpose of the rib? the rib protects the vital internal organs and builds the structure of the human body the woman protects the vital inner piece of herself and her family and her home and builds the structure of that home, that's it that's it, and I think uh, Mrs. Newberger pretty much put it that way too so so um, We have a lot of power. You're gonna hear and you're gonna read and certainly if you go into um, a non-Jewish or non-Frum environment, you will hear about the powerless, downtrodden, Orthodox Jewish woman. And then hopefully people will meet you and see, that's just not true. But our power really comes from internal sources. We develop the character and set the tone for the whole spiritual growth of everyone in our household, which means we have to do it for ourselves, too. Rabbi Belsky Zatzal, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was a Rosh Hashiv in Torah He was the Posaik for the OU. Uh, he was the Rav of Camp Aguda. He was, he was a, kol, a Kobo, a Gadol who really knew anything and everything, pretty much self-taught. Anyway, he gave a talk to some women and they asked him at the end, what did your mother do to have you? Okay, you're born brilliant. Fine. He was probably a genius. But how did she bring it out and how did you get the confidence to grow into the Godel that you are? And the women sat back and they figured he'll say something like, she had special kavanah when she baked challah. She said to Hillem, hours every day. She benched licht at least 45 minutes early. And he didn't say that. He didn't say that at all. He said the following. When I was a little boy, my mother used to put me on her lap, hold me tight, and she would sing, You are my sunshine, my little sunshine. I can't sing it because it's being recorded. But... <laughs> I don't know if you young ones know the song But it's you are my sunshine My little sunshine You make me happy Oh I'm impressed Okay When skies are grey I can't do it without the tune Thank you very much Now this is what a gadol Israel Says About that He said when she held me like that I just felt so loved I knew I could do anything That's what we do that's power. To build a home that produces someone like that and think about it. We have a sense that, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that, and it's all going to happen. It's every day. It's ongoing. It's constant. It's thinking about it. It's living it. That's what it is. And we have we have this internal internal power. We don't build big companies. Maybe some people do, but that's not... Our tachlis We build little neshamas Into great people And we can all do that Every single one of us A little girl named Miriam Hanavia She was just a little girl, right? With her internal understanding She convinced her father Who was the godhal of that door He was the manhig She convinced him to remarry Her mother and because of that, we had a Moshe Rabbeinu who was Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's, that's internal power. She changed the course of history. And maybe she didn't get any uh, awards for it, but she literally changed the course of history. I think we can do that too. My question to you is, can we, use, can we access this power today? Do we still have it? Is our mission different now that we're in the year 2018? And what kind of person do you want to be? So this conversation today is not about do we go to work or do we not? I think uh, in the world that we live in, most of us probably will need to work just to maintain the household, even if someone in the house is earning a full salary. And we are in touch with our co-hosts and our abilities And so we're looking for that fulfillment that comes from using those abilities that go beyond the household. I I recognize that, and we're not talking about that. I want to know if we can spend a little bit of time thinking about how to do all of that in our lives and not plots from the stress of being everything to everybody women today are terribly stressed and that's in the outside world that's that without the obligations of Shabbos and Yontif and caring about the Ruchnias of the family without that everything stress has gone up heart attacks if you want equality between men and women women are now having heart attacks pretty much as much as men uh, they're smoking as much as men one, one rov just told me recently that he was at a Hasana and he was um after the patek and everybody disperses so he goes he has a habit that he goes back to the Hussens tish because it's empty and that's where he can meet people and he was at the Hussens tish recently and in walked two women and they poured themselves a huge glass of whiskey not vaibasha whiskey not liqueurs a huge glass full eight ounce glass of whiskey and a, and downed it and he looked at me and he said, what's going on? He said, I'm, I'm shaken." And I said, I, th- I think it's as women are in the workforce and not thinking about who they are, they just know they have to be as smart as a man and as good as a man, and they have to prove themselves. This is what happens. They lose their tsura. And I would like all of us here to think about keeping our tsura keeping everything that's so precious to us and that makes us who we are. Think about the internal challenges that we have when we go into the workforce, because it ain't simple. So what challenges, how does does working challenge our internal selves? And uh, Rabbi Feldman and maybe Mrs. too talked about staying focused on the ikar of our lives, and that's why I'm urging you to think about profession, job, yes, career, no. Career means everything else comes second to my career. Uh, when I was finishing school, my, the psychology office I worked in as an intern offered me a partnership, and it was really it was was a big compliment, and it sounded very exciting and. A, I'm good to go until I find out they want me to work full-time. And I wasn't going to do that. Uh, my children were still young, uh, very young. We were also living with the Rosh Hashiva Zatzel, And I just felt something would give, and the thing that would give would be the household. So the answer was no. And it's never a problem. The Rabban always makes sure when you do the right thing, things will work out. Uh, I remember I had one semester where I was going to have a baby smack in the middle of the semester and it just didn't make sense to go to school. So I signed up for something at Georgetown University, a special program, Department of Psychiatry. I only had to go once a week, so I thought, okay, I could handle that and miss a couple weeks when the baby comes. Of course, she was late and came at the end of the semester, but that's besides the point. But it turned out that that substitute which I thought was just gonna be helpful on my resume, that gave me my whole view of how to work with people and I think gave me the, pushed me in the Syata Dishmaya worked out that um, the work that I was able to do was much more successful. So Akanus Barakum works it out. Our job is to do the right thing and the right thing is to keep our priorities in order. And it's not so simple. There was, um, there was a panel of three men that presented to a girls' high school. One was a radiologist, uh, I think in his 40s, so full-time doctor. The second was a plumber, I think in his 30s. And the third was a part-time Rebbe and part-time Kahlil member. And one of the questions from the girls was, how do you stay grounded when you're out there? How do you keep your standards without compromise? All three gave exactly the same answer. When I come home, there's an atmosphere that reminds me of who I am and what's important. My wife has created a home where I can grow in my roughness. Please note, not one of them mentioned. and by the way, my wife wears a size zero or she has a shaytul that's all the way down there. That's not, that's not what they said. They said, my wife creates the atmosphere. My guess is not one of those wives knew that this was so appreciated. I don't know if they, if they ever articulated it to themselves until they had this panel. But I think uh, that we, we could do that. The question is how can we do it when we're physically exhausted, stressed, pulled in all directions. And I actually wanted to hear from you if you had some ideas. I have a long, I have a long list of some ideas that could, that could potentially help us. Anybody, anybody here wanna, you gonna leave it up to me? Do they always do this? Yeah. Come on, Just, I, I bet some of you have an idea. Okay, and I wanna hear what you have to say, so let's, uh, we could take turns. So the first of all, the first is stay focused on home. That's the priority. And if that becomes your no-brainer and your go-to position, everything else falls into place. So where normally people are very conflicted, when we know home is first, home is first. Don't buy the fake I hate to say fake news. Don't buy the fake line that says quality time will do it. Quality time will not do it. Because we cannot tell a child, listen, you can only crack your skull and fall down, fall down, crack your skull, and eat stitches when I'm home. We can't do that. It doesn't work. So that's my first piece. Keep your home your priority. Along with that goes, can you have a profession can you think about a profession where you can have some flexibility where whether it's the place you work is flexible, maybe the job is flexible, um, you can choose hours like for me I, when I was in private practice, I could choose my hours. Maybe I wouldn't earn as much in a certain week, but if something was needed at home, I could take off. are there Are there professions and jobs that accompany them? that you can choose that will end at 3 so you would be home in time to breathe for a few minutes before your next real job starts i know it's not simple so i'm going to give a corollary to that think about what are you willing to do without what are you willing are you willing to maybe not get the next big promotion or even raise and live on a slightly lower standard. So that goes into what is everybody else doing and how does everybody else live. Uh, I hate when people do this, but in the olden days, a lot, a lot of people just, they got married and they didn't have much furniture. They saved up 10 years for a dining room or a really nice menschlich bedroom and until then they may do. And I, what I see today is that people want to start off with everything taken care of. And that could create a burden on the, family, on the parents. It could create a burden on the young couple themselves. What are we willing to do without? All right, come on, your turn, okay? Yeah? You need to think about it. I'm gonna give you some more points. Uh, Mrs. Newbecker mentioned the connection with the rub. Indispensable. Indispensable because issues come up. Issues come up in the workplace. It's um, It just has to happen. I also found something very helpful is to learn something every day, uh, maybe even before you go to sleep, even though you're exhausted, but if it's built in to your way of life, you won't want to go to sleep without it. Um, one depends on how hectic things are, but... When things were really hectic, I did Halacha um, Yomi because um Aruch has some really short, easy things to learn. You pick a topic, not Halacha Shabbos because that's not going to work. It's so huge. Unless look, some of you could be way ahead of me, um, but something even just start from the beginning. The how to wake up in the morning and have your day, so it's the last thing on your head is Torah whether and it doesn't have to be uh, a safer it, it could be anything but it's something that equips you it kind of puts everything else in perspective and in the background because the real challenge of work is allowing it to be in the background it's really hard uh, I didn't start working full-time till about ten years ago and um, I have a challenge sometimes even now to keep my mind on on my davening and not think about, okay, I have to be in the office and I have to take care of this and this and this. I've actually, a couple of times, I've um, stopped. I'm an, I'm finishing ashray and I'm, something is buzzing in my head. I just put the sitter down for a minute, make myself a couple of notes and go back to davening with a clear head. I don't think it's ideal, but I find that it works better for me than trying to remember in the back of my mind the three things that I was thinking of while I'm trying to focus on my davening. If I get out of focus, I've also developed the habit of following in the sitter with my finger, just like in the first grade, because it keeps me right there and my mind is not going anywhere else. Just little tricks like that, that you do throughout the day, remind you, remind all of us who we are and what our tachlis is. Oh, let's see. Gauge your level of materialism. Uh, it's very easy. I gotta have to have certain clothes to wear to work. I have to dress a certain way. I have to be trendy. I'm not arguing about any of that, but how much and to what extent. And along with that comes, think about our concept of beauty. It's incredible to me. We look at the um, you know the big post, the big um, billboards with these gorgeous, perfect women. Who, by the way, are not. I don't know if any of you saw Dove Soap has a has a video where a young woman comes in. No, yeah, you saw it. Uh, A young woman comes in like she just got out of bed. She looks like this. She's pale. Her hair is a mess. And then she's got four or five people working on her at one time, and there's this beautiful woman in a few minutes. Transformation. But they're not done. You see, because she's still natural, even though they fixed her up. So now they have to change the dimensions on the computer so that her hair is just a little bit different and her face is just shifted a little bit so she is... Utter perfection. And then comes the billboard. And it has nothing to do with what she really looks like. But we all see it and we think, gee, I'd like to look like that. Well, guess what? So would she. She doesn't look like that either. But that's that works on us. And even though we say it's not the most important thing, think about, is there any, any part of us that we wouldn't be critical of and then go out and buy the makeup that fixes it? Never mind when you get to my age, right? You can go under the knife and get a whole new face and a whole new look. Something to look forward to. But... <laughs> what, what, is, what is the concept of beauty? Let me share a concept with you. When Natan Sharansky first got out of Russia, for whatever reason, I ended up being invited to a reception for him and his wife. And he spoke first, she wasn't even there, and suddenly she walked in from another room, and we all gasped.
1: No makeup
0: at all, a tight turban around her face. And, you know, when she walked in, the words Shabbos popped into my head. She was radiant. She was oozing ruchnius. She was beautiful. I have no concept if she's really beautiful the way we think of it or not. The room was filled with her beauty. That's beauty we, we get away from that With the materialism We have to get back to it We have to reclaim Our essence And you can do it You have to do it Because we need you to do it And you need yourself To do it Cultivate a positive attitude It's very, very easy To get up in the morning And say "Oi, another day Or another day Another dollar It depends on your attitude. But it's like, it's the oi. You don't want your day to be full of oi. Back to the makeup. Yeah. My principal in seminary would always say, on your makeup bag, write shame ma. When you put on your makeup, remember why, what's the purpose? Did everyone hear her? Her seminary principal used to say, when you have makeup and you're getting ready to use it, on your little makeup bag, keep a, a note that says, Le shame ma. What do you need this for? I'm telling you, if you had that picture of Avital Sharansky, you'd probably never use, well, I can't say you'd never use makeup again, because I do, but you know what I mean. Figure out how to take care of yourself. Um, It's very easy when you're working to grab a chocolate bar, to skip breakfast, skip lunch, start your first meal of the day at supper. It's not up at... I bet some of you do that now, right? <laughs> uh huh. Okay. We don't take care of ourselves. On a list of priorities, ourselves are at the bottom. <clears throat> so I'm just going to remind you what Rev. Tversky always points out when you're on the airplane and they're doing their little spiel that everybody sleeps through. The, the, um, the rule is if the oxygen mask comes down and you are with a child or even someone that you're taking care of, put put the mask on yourself first because you won't have enough oxygen to help the next person if that helps you remember to take care of yourselves great you have to eat something in the morning i don't it doesn't have to be a whole meal my guess is it won't be but whatever works for you it could be one of these nutrition bars i'm into the kind bars just and always have one with you so you don't Turn to the junk. I heard that Maryland is now eliminating all the junk from the vending machines. So you're living in good times. (laughs) Um, Think, it's, uh, if you can make some of these things habits now, they'll stay with you and you won't say, "Uh, I don't have time to think about my meals for the week. I I don't have time. You'll already have a routine that includes this. So that's, I know it's it's um it's a lot of it's a balance of ruthness and goshshmi taking care of ourselves but not focusing too much on ourselves um, for all you perfectionists out there, I feel really bad for you <laughs> there's no perfection in this world you 'll never attain perfection and if your kitchen looks perfect, it won't in five minutes <laughs> so think about how how much you're Paying, what price are you paying for the perfection? And do you really need it? Could you, could you cut down? Read some books, talk to a counselor, do whatever you need to do, but deal with it so you don't make yourself so tied up that you can't live. And that's really what happens many times. I'm, I, I talk to people a lot and it sounds to me like very often wonderful people with trying to have a wonderful marriage It's become a very, um, marriage has become a very practical enterprise of two co-workers. Okay, honey, you give that one a bath. I'll put that one to sleep. Who's going to do the homework with that one? And where's the relationship? We're the relationship experts. Naturally, internally, without reading a single psychology book, we are made for relationships. That's our job. That's our mission. That's who we are. And we lose it. And there's nothing, there's nothing like a real marriage. The marriage that kruvim are compared to a husband and wife, the kruvim protect the Torah that's in the aron. We, the husband and wife, we protect our family. We protect Torah and the presence of Hakkarashbarkawa. The Shechina lives in our home because of us. That's huge. It's huge. And we, we don't always think about that And sometimes we never think about that And that's too high a price to pay for anything So just think Home, Shekhinah, us And you going to be able to do half the things you need to do It's fine I'm going to just in passing Mention what Rabbi Feldman spent a lot of time on And that's sneers, And he doesn't know As he said what, what that sneeze could involve. And I'm going to mention one simple thing, and you're going to say, oh, it would never happen to me. Don't compliment a man on his tie. Don't say, I like your tie today. Unless, you know, you go to a pediatrician and he's got a funny tie for the kids, then you can say something. But a coworker, don't tell him his tie is nice. That's a, a different kind of relationship. You don't want that kind of relationship. So, and, I know that Rabbi Feldman wouldn't even think of that, but be careful. There's a, a distance that you want to keep, which he did mention, both physical distance and not. The The challenge of remaining who we are. I remember standing online at Giant one time, and I was thinking, like, what's different? I'm wearing a coat, everyone else is wearing a coat. I'm wearing boots, everyone's wearing boots. And I was getting very distressed like is there no is there no indication that I'm a from woman do I stand for something what, have, have I lost something and just then and I thank Hashem for that just then Eleni came over to me and said can you tell me what time candle lighting is this week so I, I was very very relieved but I saw from how upset I was that it's a challenge it's a challenge we need to look like everyone else in a way, and we should never look like everyone else. So it's, um, it's that balance. <coughs> trying to think, come on, anybody else? I did health, right? Um, expectations, whose expectations are we living up to? Our friends, do you know Rabbi Refsin said to a group, did I tell you this? Rabbi Refson said to a group of seminary students, None of you will marry somebody that your friends don't like. Whose expectations are we living up to? And why? I have to have my own unique expectations that make sense, my own unique goals. I should worry what my friends are saying because maybe he's not learning in Kolel or he's not doing a regular profession. I don't know. But I, I think it, it gave us something to think about. I also want to talk about cultivating an attitude of gratitude. I know you've all, you've all heard about Hakara Satov, and I'm, I'm not going to go into it, but there's so many stories of what Hakara, the difference Hakara Satov can make in someone's life. And we don't even know, I, I heard, one second, let me see if I can get this right. What if we woke up tomorrow with only the things we were grateful for today? So, okay, sometimes we we know we have much to be grateful for. But do we every day say, whew, I'm vertical, as someone said to me. I woke up. I woke up. I can walk. I can talk. I can think, more or less. I can do what I need to do today. Are we grateful for that? Mrs. Esther Tendler, ala Shalem used to say... Thank you, Hashem. When she got to where she wanted to go in the court, because everything, everything deserves gratitude. Everything is a gift from the Rebbeinu Shlomo, and we don't even know—we don't know. If I have time, I'll tell you. This. Um, I'll tell you a story about gratitude. There was once a Holocaust survivor, and he was known for the strength of his amunah. Was incredible. And in conversation, he happened to mention that he never went to yeshiva because the Nazis came, and that was it. And by the end of the war, he had to make a living. He had to try to survive. So somebody asked him, so where would you get your amuna from? You didn't go to yeshiva. You grew up in a concentration camp. How do you have such powerful amuna? And he said, well, I had a yeshiva in my home. My mother said to Hillam every day, she made our home happy, especially on Shabbos and Yantif. My father went to Davin regularly, never missed a davening. And my mother created a yeshiva in the home and that's what carried me through. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Can we do that? I guess that's my question. Can we create that kind of home, that kind of household? Can we live that way now as uh, everybody said, to prepare, can we, training, I think Rabbi Feldman said, right? Can we train ourselves to live that way that we create a yeshiva in our home? There's a story about a farmer who was desperate for a farmhand, desperate. So one fellow came, applied for the job, and the farmer said, do you have any references? He pulls out a piece of paper where his former employer writes... He sleeps well in a storm. So the farmer goes, okay, listen, I'm desperate. Just, I'll hire you and let's see how it works out. Guy's great. Does a wonderful job. Until one one night, in the middle of the night, there was a crash of thunder, lightning, a horrible storm coming. The farmer runs to his new farmhand. He shakes him. He can't wake him up. He's frantic. He runs to the barn because he figures the horses are going to be Pushing to get out They're going to be frightened They're all calm They have their feet in front of them The barn is locked He runs to the field Because if wheat gets wet That's it, his crap is gone All the wheat is tied up in bales And there's a tarpaulin Over each sheaf of wheat He runs to the silo That for sure is gone Everything's dry Silo is locked And he says to himself Oh, that's what the guy meant he sleeps through the storm because he's ready. Well, ladies, guess what? We got a storm coming. We are hemorrhaging Yiddish and Neshamis by the minute. 73% intermarriage overall in the United States, 73%. I remember we were all devastated when it was 40. Now it's almost double. We have kids at risk. We have anti-Semitism growing. We have the demeaning and devaluation of motherhood. We have a society that has no more morals and no more values. We have to prepare. We have to make sure the barn is safe and the weed is covered. That's our job. That's what we do, and that's what we're good at. And we can do it. We can do it just like that mother who created these sheep in the home that got a man through the Holocaust, and through no training, and no yeshiva. We just have to think very carefully how we want to do it, what steps do we take to do it. We can't go through life on automatic, or just following what everybody else does. It has to be each one of us figuring out what works for us, what brings out our kajkas the best way, and to remember we have jobs, not careers. Our careers or a home. And I think, I, I really think we could do it. I think you could do it. Our generation is counting on you to do it. You can't do it on an automatic pilot. So start thinking now. That's that's what I'm you. urging you to do. And I'm wishing everybody Hatzlach HaRabba in doing that and taking care of that. And it's great spending time with you. What's your gratitude? What's my gratitude? Story. Oh, my gratitude story? Okay, I'll tell you. My, got time for my gratitude story? Okay. Fellow in Eretz Yisrael wakes up and he can't see out of one eye. See? Kind of closes his eyes again, figuring, you know, maybe it's just crusty or something. Something's wrong with that eye. Something's wrong. He runs to the eye doctor, gets him, gets himself an appointment, and the doctor checks his eye and he says, Oh, uh, I, I think this is really bad. I'm going to send you to the top Doctor in Eretz Israel. And I'm going to get you in because I think you've got to go fast. He goes to the top doctor. Fellow checks his eyes. And he says, listen, I'm, I'm so sorry to tell you this. You're, you're in real danger. You need to go to the top doctor in America now because whatever's going on in that eye can transfer to the other eye as well. So he calls, uh, who is it, Rabbi Fearer? gets him a plane ticket, gets him an appointment. His son brings him his clothing, you know, something to to have. And he runs to New York, straight from the doctor's office. Okay, he gets to Columbia Presbyterian, he goes to this doctor, he sees, he could see a qualitative difference in how this doctor checks his eye. And he's looking, the doctor's looking, and he says to him, I'm really sorry, but you need surgery immediately. you're in great danger of losing your eyesight and it could affect other parts of your body. So this is all happening so fast he can't absorb it. He says, you know what, give, give me an hour. Just give me an hour and I'll come, I'll come back and we'll set it all up. He, he's in the middle of Manhattan. He doesn't know where he is. He walks around and he finds a shul. He goes into the shoal and he figures he's going to plead for his life. He starts out and he says, Rabbi Shalom, You've been so good to me. You've given me 55 healthy years. You've given me a beautiful family, a wonderful wife. And he goes on and he keeps listing all the things he appreciates that a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave him. And then he looks at his watch and he says, Uh-oh, i got to go back. Rabbi Shalom, please help me. Please help me with my eyes. Thank you. And runs back to the doctor. He okay, goes back to the doctor's office. Doctor checks his eyes and says, Really, sorry, I, I think I made a mistake. Let me, let me call in uh, some of my colleagues. I think you're fine. Calls in a few colleagues. He's fine. He's fine, okay? So he goes back there to Israel and he tells this to his Rosh Hashiva. A few weeks later, the Rosh Hashiva is giving a talk and mentions that this happened to this man. Sitting in the audience was a man who had three daughters in their 30s, not moving. Not one of them has found her bashert. So he goes home, opens the front door and starts singing O de Shama. And everybody says, uh, Abba, you're feeling okay? He says, everybody, come in the kitchen. He gives everybody pen and pencil. Sit down now and write everything you're grateful for. Every single thing. In the next five minutes. You don't have to take long. An hour later, they were still writing. When you think about how much we have in our regular lives to be grateful for, to thank HaKadosh Baruch for. They were shocked, they just kept writing and writing and writing. Within the next three, four months, all three were happily either engaged or married. That's my story about gratitude. <laughs> so um, I am grateful to be here and to share this time with you. I'm grateful for the incredible things love does and has been doing and Amir Hashem will be doing. I'm grateful to the people who make it happen, and I'm grateful to all of you for being here. Have a good day. Okay, my book And I'm grateful for Dr. Weisbord. <laughs> but I have to tell you that Dr. Weisbord, when she started off, she talked about the founding of Malo and she left out a very, very important piece. Dr. Weisbord was one of the original founders of Maalot. And not only is she one of the original founders of Maalot, she is still so involved all the time. And so much so that she is actually the president of Maalot. <laughs> and she's my big sister. In quotes, in quotes. <laughs> I'm not responsible for anything. My older sister, big <laughs> sister. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. Okay, everybody.